Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. What's happening? Welcome in, everybody. Episode 11 of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dirk Johnson. I was getting all set to head over to the VMC today, and I got a text late last night. We might have to do this one on the phone. So I'm back at home. If the dog barks, I apologize. And I got my buddy Nick Merrick on the line. And let's start with the most important thing, Nick. We got a lot to talk about. How's, how's Nick Merrick doing? Are you hanging in there, buddy? Andy, appreciate it. Yeah, well, you got a dog barking right here. Some ice packs back here for me. Uh, no, doing doing really well, but uh funny it must be all this bus travel something's going on in my little lower back here so I'm, I'm getting in and out of the chiropractor and uh it's like i'm i'm going on the ir rich has got to help me out uh but, you know otherwise things are great like march march is a great time of year like it feels a little bit interesting like obviously mother nature still says it's hockey season we've had snow the past couple of days here in portland <laughs> i don't know exactly what that's about uh but the fact that you know here we are we're playing some co- competitive hockey teams finally back from their long trip on the road they have one more road game on friday and then a bunch of home games six total in the month of in uh, march to enjoy so i think this is when it kind of ramps up and everyone gets excited again and, and obviously the playoffs are going to be the next thing right around the corner so that's the fact that hawks already clinched the playoff spot so uh things you know things are looking up this is this is going to be a positive month for portland well, we're, we're glad to hear that you at least are into the chiropractor and you're getting seen because we can, we need Nick Merrick healthy for the stretch run, okay? It's the final month of the season. We need you healthy, ready to go. Playoffs are around the corner, and I'd imagine all those long bus rides are leading to a, a bit of a sore back. So let's get to that because, I mean, you mentioned it. It snowed last week, and I was thinking, God, are there any – oh, that's right, the Winterhawks are still on the road. You guys missed the entire snowstorm you were gone for so long. Yes. Uh, yes. So what, 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 what happened, man? Let's, I, I'm even getting texts from buddies like, hey, what's going on with the Hawks? How concerned? Concern should I be? What went down on the road trip? You obviously had a front row seat to it. What did you see, and uh, how you feeling right now? No, it's interesting. Actually, uh, the, I think the most ironic part is the fact the team was up in Prince George, British Columbia, so they got a good foot and a half of snow up there, and then of course <laughs> Snowmageddon hit through Portland. So right. even though the team team avoided it in the, in the Northwest, they didn't have uh, you know too much luck of avoiding it on the road. Uh, but you know the road trip was good from the standpoint of the fact that you know the team just got the extra time together and. It's a grind. Like, there's no denying it. I, I think the easiest way to chalk it up is, you know, you're you're coming back from Christmas break and, and you have some big games there in December and you're playing really good hockey in, in January and you played some really good games on this road trip. Now, from the fans that are used to tuning in, they're going to be frustrated and, and you know, rightfully so. Fans want to support the team. They want to, they want to see a winning product. But, uh, you know, every team goes through the up, ebbs and flows of the season. There's going to be some ups and downs and this just happens to be a down part in terms of the win-loss record for Portland, but in terms of the actual competitiveness, like, it's there. The team just can't get the, you know, the pucks to go in the back of the net. But they're executing certain things very well. Defensively, they've been strong uh, in, a, in a couple areas. They've, mm-hmm. they've struggled a few times with where the goals against come in. But, you know, Dante Nuzzi has played a couple of unbelievable starts recently. 
Jan Spoonar played really well uh, in his one game as well that, that he got on the road trip. So you're kind of almost seeing, a, you know, a, not a shift in the hand, but you can kind of tell it based on the starts. It seems like the coaching staff really wants Januszczyk to try to take over that number one job and get used to kind of seeing games back to back because that's what it's going to be like in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? You're going to play Friday, Saturday games. So you're seeing a little bit more of a playoff simulation. Um, but overall, like, you know, it, it, the team struggled. Like, it, they're, they're, they're frustrated, I should say. Um, they, they struggled to score. They didn't really struggle throughout the course of games, but it's tough. Like, it's hard to pinpoint, honestly, Andy. Like, it's, it's one of those things where I feel a couple days away from the rink when they came back, they got, you know, back-to-back days off. I think it's kind of going to bode well for them and, and just a chance to build some confidence back up in practice this week. You're going right back into a three and three. You got three games and three nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend when we're talking. Um, so obviously, like the, the stretch doesn't stop. It picks right back up. And I think Portland's just kind of focused on getting back to the ice, playing their systems. Once they get that one win, they'll get right back into it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm sure from the fans' perspective, when they're texting, like, what's going on? The team's kind of saying the same thing because every time I talk to them, like, what's the energy like? Like, energy is really positive. Like, obviously, they don't like losing. So you're getting right. the normal response from that. But nobody's finger pointing, you know, nobody's blaming. The leadership's stepping up. They're talking when they need to. So it sounds like the unit itself is still together, which is the most important. Like, you aren't going to win a championship in February, and you certainly aren't going to lose one here either. Um, so if there is one low in the season, get it now, and then just have, have your, you know, your systems figure things out and get back to it in March because th- this really is the important one. This is where you start getting that momentum going into the postseason. You've got a lot of games come up with Seattle. Your strength of scheduling I saw was, like, one of the fifth worst in the league because you play Seattle so many times, it also factors into it. But the travel is much better. It's only within the U.S. division um, from here on out into the playoffs. And then obviously you'll have to wait and see what your opponent is. But it's a little bit of a head scratcher, Andy. Honestly, I, I feel like this is where Mike will be able to add in and be able to um, kind of help put to life a little bit about what's going on. But I'm sure he's going to say much the same. It's like the team's played some good games. I know he's gone through it and he really enjoyed his team's play. In Kelowna, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that first Kelowna game was really strong. The team took 46 shots, probably should have won that game. They played two really good games with Prince George. It was just a one nothing final and a 3-1, 4-1 final. Yeah. They just couldn't put the puck in the back of the net, but they played really well. Um, then you come back, you know, probably wanted to beat Spokane, but just came up short in that one, and then played another really good game against Seattle. Like, oh, that's the best team in the WHL right now. Um, and just couldn't quite find a way in that third period despite a tie game to get it done. So the team's hanging in there. It's just, you know, once a win comes, I think it'll snowball in the right favor for Portland again. Yeah, you want to get off that schneid, there's no doubt. You get that kind of positive momentum going again. I mean, you mentioned the, the offensive struggles going back. You know, we had that TV game back on the 11th of February, and it, they were, it was a tight one nothing game. They had a ton of chances. Seattle gets a couple yep. of bounces. You lose 3 nothing, And I'm with you. It's one of those where if you, if you look at the final score, you're like, ah, Portland lost 3 nothing. If you watch the entire game, they played a great game. They just they couldn't get any bounces. They didn't catch any breaks. And Seattle's getting pucks going off of defenseman skates. And it's just that's kind of the way hockey could be. So when you look at the offensive struggles, because since then, I mean, only one game with multiple goals, and that was a 6-2 loss to Spokane. Is, is it as simple as that? Like, they're just not – they're not getting breaks. They're not getting bounces. Is there a missing ingredient on the power play? I just, you know, you know, how do you try and chalk up where the offense has gone dormant? Because we've been so used to Mike Johnston teams being the, you know, the top goal scoring unit in, in the WHL. And that just kind of has disappeared here in the last two weeks. Without a question. I think before I go to answer that question, you brought up the best thing there, Andy, the fact that 
that last game on you know mid February when the team is playing Seattle on a TV game. I, I left that game. It was a three nothing loss, and I do understand that. But I, I went down, and I'm thinking, holy cow! If the Winterhawks play that way, they're going to win yeah. a lot of hockey games. Like that was a good. Like I, I still think that was maybe one of their top three games of the season, and they didn't win the game. So it's it's funny when that was the last home game that started the seven day road trip, and then all of a sudden they haven't won since then. Um, but I, I I think it's it's kind of a combo of just I don't know if it's necessarily the bounce anymore. Like there's a little bit, yes, hundred percent. But they did find some bounce as well on the trip. I think it's more of just being able to convert on the opportunities. Like they're they're there, but they just aren't able to cash in on a two on one when they get it. Um, you know, the power play has been a little bit on a on a downswing too. They've still scored in games, but typically, you know, we become accustomed now to seeing Portland go, you know, two for six, two for right, five on the power right. play, not one for seven, one for six. So, like, even that difference kind of will change the pace of the game. Um, but, it's you know, it's a good test right now because this is where teams the trade deadline, they bolstered up, they, they traded a lot of assets, and they said, we want to grab that first-round, second-round NHL pick. We want him to be on our team. And Portland felt they have a strong enough nucleus. They didn't need to do that. You know, they could save those assets for later. They could use those assets to either acquire draft picks or, or make moves for future seasons. Because obviously this team is not going to be a one year and done. It's, <laughs> right. it's kind of, a, you know, they're going to be relevant for the next couple of seasons, which I think, again, speaks to the volumes of what the Winterhawks have internally. But now is a great time to kind of test those, nah, I'll put in quotes, but quote unquote younger players. It's just the guys have been around for three seasons or so and see if any of them can take that next step. Like, Josh DeCresti has been getting a lot of good penalty, uh, a lot of good power play time now, and, and, and he's been playing some big minutes. And we just saw Nick Johnson get elevated to a top six role a little bit because of injuries, but those are the guys you're, you're going to want to kind of get going again and, and get that scoring production going. And Diego Badazzoni's put together a couple of really nice games. So offensively, the team's looking at some different hands this season to, to try to support. Um, you know, because, uh, again, we've said it all podcast season long, but there's just no Seth Jarvis who's going to be like, put puck in the stick, he'll put it in the back of the net. Find Yoakam <laughs> right, Blitzfeld, right. he'll bury it. Find a Ryan Johansson, he'll find a way to score. Like, that's just that's just not the makeup of this team anymore. They kind of do it by committee. So, when the committee's not clicking, obviously then the, that's when the head starts scratching, but um, I, I really do feel like there's just going to be a blip in the radar. I know it, it feels, you know, the lows are lows during these, <laughs> these swings, I'm sure of it, but um, you know, from our, from my perspective, I'm, you know, I'm just broadcasting games and watching them and, and trying to see what's going on. And it, you know, it stinks to lose. You don't like losing, especially when you're accustomed to winning 17 of the first 20 games of the season. So I, I think, I think they'll get out of it. I really do feel like they're going to get out of it. Um, it obviously it's, it's disheartening to see that the road games don't go their way, but this is a terrific home team. The fact that I took a breath and think, okay, teams for two home games this weekend, then you got, you know, a couple more road games, quick trip to Spokane and Tri-City, and then you're pretty much home against Seattle and Spokane and Vancouver the rest of the way. Like, you can play on home ice. You can get the crowd behind you. It's been energetic. The fan base has been unbelievable this season. Part of it's like maybe maybe that's the medicine that the team is missing. Yeah, just getting those fans back in the stands. You got some fun promo nights. We'll get to that because some really cool stuff coming up not only this weekend but then in the next couple of weeks. And I, I did. I mean, you mentioned Dante and the way he was playing. I mean that that shootout loss to Prince George really stood out for how terrific he was. And that's such a tough loss for a, a goaltender to take because he was fantastic. And it's just one of those games where the offense doesn't help you out. So on the positive note. Uh, what did you see from Dante, and, and how are how are you feeling about the goaltending situation? Because as you pointed out a moment ago, it clearly feels like he's the number one guy, and they're getting him ready for the playoffs. Without question, Dante's the number one gamer too. Like he, he's he's in it for all the right reasons. He worked his tail off. He's played tremendously during a lot of those games on the 
on that sixth game road trip. So I think Portland got a lot of confidence from his performance as well. Um, you know, maybe it didn't result in the goals that I'm sure Dante would have hoped for his team to support with him as well, but it'll come. Like, I think the biggest thing there is the fact that that that's your veteran leader in that he's going through the workload now. Coaching staff can trust them. They can lean on him. And they've seen now a team lost. And you nailed it too, Andy. Like, it was an unbelievable shootout, shutout loss. Like, that doesn't happen very often in any right. league. I think Andy Kemper had the stat. That's the first time ever in over 3,000 Winterhawks games all time the score has ever ended a shootout. Wow. Um, you know, so it just shows the rarity of that. But the fact that, you know, he does that well, then you just go right back to him. And there's no problem. And there's no lapse in his performance. He plays right up to that same level uh, as he did the night before. And that's key because you're looking at the playoff run when you are going to have some banged up bodies inevitably. Like, how's your goalie going to do? Can he bail you out with a couple of big saves? Can he do this and that? And obviously, Dante checks all those boxes as of right now. So I feel like his game is only on the up and up going into March, which is going to be very fun to watch him, especially come postseason time. And obviously, Jan Spoonar is there if needed at this point. But I like the approach. Obviously, Jan can be your long-term solution because he got a couple more seasons in Portland since mm-hmm. he's a little bit younger. But this is Dante's last kick at the can at the junior level. So give give him, you know, let him let him fly. Give him the reins. He's doing really well. He's not, you know, not proven he hasn't deserve to lose it otherwise he's been playing really well so let him let him take this team into the postseason see what he could do and obviously hopefully ends in a really strong run um and then he gets to hopefully embark on a professional career after this because that'll be his goal i'm sure he's eyeing up professional contract as much as those players don't like thinking about it and bring it to the forefront because that just ends up being a distraction but you look at the taylor gochies the clay harness of the last year those guys weren't drafted in the nhl but they still found professional contracts, ironically, both the same organization there with the <laughs> right. Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you know, one, uh, Hannes signed an AHL deal and, and Gauthier signed the NHL deal. But I- I'm sure that's exactly what Robbie Fromm, DeLorme, and Dante Genutzi are two 20-year-old guys looking for. They, they want to try to extend their playing career. They want to get a pro contract. So they have a little bit extra that they're kind of playing for as well, which is obviously going to easily elevate their game. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, you know, two thumbs up and a A-plus checkmark, whatever you need there next to Dante because – He's, he's been a hero during this team stretch. Well, I think that's the encouraging part, too. You just feel like eventually the offense will, will find their rhythm again. The offense will get going. It's only a matter of time because of the system and the talent that they have on the roster. And if you compare that with the goaltender playing the way that Dante's playing, you know, you can find your rhythm and, and start piling up some wins again. It is, it is funny. It, it's almost, I feel almost spoiled complaining about a six-game losing streak because I feel like it just, Mike has set us up for that. Like, we're just, you're so used to winning and success and playing at a high level that you see one of these that are very normal throughout the WHL, but when it happens in Portland and you're so used to success and, and things going your way, it's almost like, hey, what's going on when in reality this is what happens in, in a long season? And I want to ask you about that because, you know, the playoff format, the way it is, Seattle, as you pointed out, the best team in the league right now, they're red hot. They won 10 in a row, I believe. And obviously those two head-to-head wins over Portland and regulation. You're now 15 points behind them. So the U.S. division likely out of the window, the number one seed likely out of the window. How much of the lull do you think it all has to do with the fact that Portland kind of knows where they're going to be? I mean, it would take a, a pretty historic bad ending for them to get caught by Prince George or somebody else. So it almost feels like you're locked into the three seed. And now it's just a matter of, okay, we're just waiting our time until the playoffs start. In my opinion, I think there is something there. I, I truly do. Whether or not the players will say so or the coaches do, I, I, I feel like there's some big validity there because you don't have that same itch when you aren't going for you know, a, a divisional championship or a Western Conference championship and, and try to claim that one seed. Obviously, the biggest thing pushing the team right now is just making sure they lock up that three seeding at, at the very least and, yeah. and claim home ice in the first round. But 
Um, I mean, you're right. It's, it's, you don't want to call them meaningless games, but then it kind of has that feel because the, the end, which is so exciting in playoff hockey, you're just trying to push to that. And you're like, ah, why get through these next 11, 12 games? Like just get us to that March game on March 31st or April 1st <laughs> right, or whenever the right. first game is. Cause that's obviously when it really matters, which is a hundred percent true. Like technically the team can go, 0-12 the rest of the way, and it's really not going to matter. They already guaranteed themselves a spot in the postseason. Obviously, it might do a little something in terms of the confidence and momentum if they lost 12 in a row going into playoffs, but kind of the point being, you know, it, it's it's not the time they need to panic right now. Um, and I, I have the full trust, obviously, as everyone should, and Mike and Kyle and Brian and Richie and Clayton and the whole staff behind the scenes. Like, they're doing a great job with that team. The players are doing the right job. Um, they've had a couple of good practices this time as well, and Part of it too, I I almost question if it's just the, the the travel schedule. Like it's tough. I mean, clearly, heck, my my body feels like it's falling apart <laughs> right now. I'm going to see chiropractors I haven't had to do since you know the last 15 years. It feels like, um, but it's it's a, it's a grind. Like this is tough because you come back from that Christmas break and you just had time off with friends and family, and um, you know you come back and you're playing really good hockey, but then you go on the road. And you go 500 on the road out, out east, and then you're like, well, at least it was good to get the players in front of their family, um, which obviously it was. And, and I'm sure you probably wanted four or five wins on that trip because the team played well enough to do so. And then you come back home, and you're up and back, and you're you know kind of gallivanting around, and you feel like you're on the road every week. Then all of a sudden, oh, here's another two-week trip thrown in. So <laughs> right. this team's been on the road for like literally over 100 hours of travel since January 1st. Like, that's a lot. Um, cause I mean, just to, again, like it's, it's hard because other teams do this. Like, of course, I'm sure Prince George Cougar is going to be laughing. They listen to this one. Like, well, we got an eight hour drive every <laughs> single day, but they're obviously more used to it because they, you know, it's just part of their season. Portland's not as, as quote unquote used to it because obviously the, the longer travel days are always tough, but you go six hours to Spokane, you play a game, you go seven hours to Kelowna, you play a game, you go, you know, almost 10 hours to Prince George, you play a game, you go back, which was like a 13 hour travel day back to Spokane like those are a lot of double digit hour travel days um and it, it just gets exhausting on the bus because you just want to be in one spot being able to perk up for a little bit and, hey here's my home base I don't know if that has anything to do with it but at least you know no longer is that going to be any sort of storyline because the team won't have to worry about that it'll only be a couple of games here and back home a couple of games here back home even when you get to playoffs um yeah I it's hard. Like I, I'm sure some fans are tuning in and they probably want me to dive in a little bit more and say this is going wrong and that's going wrong. But I don't, you know, I don't know. Like it's, we still got all of March. Maybe we'll do that right. more if the team loses 10 straight, you know, but I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like it's still a confident group. You've, you've said it best. Like if you put pucks in the net, you're going to win. Obviously a hockey team's not going to win many games, one, nothing. Like, but that's seemingly the only way the winter Hawks have shown they could do it. Like they're only scoring a goal a game. Uh, two goals a game. Like, that's hard. you got to get back into the 3-4 area. The defense is doing fine, if so. Um, so, you know, good good chance again this weekend. you got Everett on the road. It's a team that maybe could be in a playoff picture scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they've already guaranteed themselves birth in the playoffs. But, I mean, in terms of Portland versus Everett as a first-round matchup, it is likely. I think they're one of those teams that, that's kind of around as one of the potential first-round opponents. So, it'll be interesting to see both Everett on, on the road Friday and then back at home on Sunday and then Tri-City who at least you got your most two recent wins coming up against the Americans and you've had some great battles with Tri-City so that'll be a spirited game and they're 
final return home after what 25 days away from the vmc on saturday so so that'll be nice as well and then i feel like we'll have a better idea of the picture after this weekend um you know if you're a fan and you're coming to those games obviously you're going to give it your full support but just just keep an eye on things and 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 put put these conversations in the back of your head but don't you know don't let it spoil it right now right like teams on a losing stretch but they're going to get out of it teams always do like i went back and i tried to look at history of being like all right, when's the last time teams have gone on these types of stretches? And it just happened like four years ago, or I guess a little bit more than that, six, seven years ago in the 17th season, uh, you know, a team had like an eight-game losing skid. And then I go back a little more, and they had a six-game losing skid. Like, those happened. They have happened before in the Winter Hawks history. Uh, but then what have we seen afterwards? Then the team, all of a sudden, they get overshadowed because they won 10th straight, they win 12th straight. <laughs> right, and then, right. You know, they, they win eight of nine. So I think that stretch, as long as it comes and you see the team rebound and you get that confidence moving into into the postseason play, then everything's going to be a okay. Yeah, I, I try and tend to. I, I try and take the philosophy as a fan of a team who plays a long season. It's like you got to treat it like your golf game, right? Like you're going to have good holes, you're going to have bad holes, but hey, there's yep. 14 more yep. holes to go, right? And when you get a birdie, it feels like you're never going to make a bogey again in the rest of your life. And then when you're throwing sevens and eights up there, it feels like you're never going to get a par again the rest of your life. And eventually you figure it out. Things kind of even out. And it's so funny. Portland goes on these winning streaks and you're like, God, are they ever going to lose? And then here we are weeks later and they've lost a couple in a row. And it's like, God, are they ever going to win again? It's hard to try and find that middle ground of just understanding it's a long season and it's almost a detriment to them that you know it's not their fault that it's really in the western conference the top three teams and then kind of everybody else right i mean you got prince george is 15 points behind portland same number of games played and they're the four seed so there's a 15 point gap there between them and the next team where there's not really that other you know excuse pushing you are you you fighting for home court your home ice advantage are you you know you playing for this or that you're kind of locked in and to your point likely going to play Prince George Everett or, or Tri-City in, in the first round. But it's almost like you're, you're kind of damned because everybody behind you in the standings, it's just there's, there's a sizable gap there right now. Without a question. I think, I think that's, that's easily the best way to sum up the picture, too. Like, there's, there's kind of tiers, it feels like, now in the Western Conference. Like, Kamloops and Seattle pretty much cementing themselves first and second yeah. in whatever order, I guess we'll find out. Obviously, the, the odds are probably favoring Seattle. Uh, Portland pretty much almost, you know, I don't know what the, you know, quote unquote bracketology. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, yeah. What's the know, net rating be, on the three yeah, seed? <laughs> 90, what are they? 95% chance probably lock up that three seed. Right, right. Um, and then obviously then it's a nice shuffle between four, five and six. And then you'll see if anybody can trickle into that eighth spot. But I feel like Vancouver pretty much guarantees themselves a playoff spot as well. And it seems like Kelowna is going to be able to hold off Victoria to, to get in as well. Um, and then that that's kind of your playoff picture in the West. But the Western opponents, they're, they're tough. Like, I mean, I feel like I've said that in all the broadcasts. Like, teams play better than the records. Like, there's talented players within yeah. the Western Conference. Um, now, why the wins haven't come for some, it's probably, a you know, it's just a lack of, of depth or goaltending or, you know, scoring touch or whatever. There's a bunch of X's and O's there. Um, but Portland's always been kind of consistent and also – you know, it's a team that still has been ranked inside the top 10 of the CHL rankings for 20 consecutive weeks. <laughs> and these are the last two weeks they were obviously bounced, and rightfully so. Obviously, the team's on the skid, so you don't yeah. want to give them the top 10. But, um, you know, it, it still shows that, hey, this team was playing phenomenal hockey. And you even look at it, like, I think the best way to put in perspective, the team played with basically the same exact group five months ago. <laughs> like almost nothing's changed. Right. Um, you know, you traded away Dawson Pasternak so that way he could have a place to play as a 20 year old next season. So that was your big move. But then obviously you're sliding around pieces like Jockums comes in, Sotis goes out, Bevington goes out. You get defensive, you know, some different defensemen playing more. 
because they've been sitting on the sidelines early in the season. So there's been some minor shuffling like that, but it's basically the same nucleus that we started with at Neely Cup. Um, so that's kind of another reason why I'm like, ah, I'm not losing faith in this team. Like we just saw what this team did in September, October, November. And I feel like just having a nice break, being at home, like I- I'm seeing a little bit just in the, the, not even the morale, but just like the day-to-day activities of the players. Like they just feel better being at home. So yeah. I think that's going to help translate onto the ice. And, um, you know, obviously a big schedule like we're talking about. No events. We're going to talk about some promo dates here because there's, there's huge ones too in March. So it'll keep things exciting. Um, this month, whether or not they're chasing a playoff spot, there's just going to be some really entertaining nights inside the BMC. And then after all of a sudden you get through, um, you know, the jersey off their backs at the end of the season, that'll benefit the Winter Hockey Amateur Hockey Association, Players Education Fund, uh, and then a fan appreciation night. Then it's like, oh boy, now we're in the postseason. Let's go. Right. It'll be here before we know it. And it's important to remember the sun will come up tomorrow. And they got a big three and three this weekend with a couple of home games. And it's huge to have that three seed, too, because I'd imagine. The mindset is let's avoid Seattle as long as we can. So, obviously, you don't know how the playoff will go in the first round, but you win that series, likely facing Kamloops if you win that first-round matchup in the second round. And Kamloops is a great team, but I think you'd rather play them at this point uh, than you would Seattle in the second round. So, maybe the scheduling will will ease up a little bit. Let's get to what the fans have to look forward to because – it's crazy how it feels like they uh, it's just been on the road essentially all of 2023. Finally get yep. some home games coming up. We got a couple of fun promo nights this weekend. You mentioned Cam Neely. He's going to be in town soon. So what do we have to look forward to here in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so many great things. If you're tuning into this podcast before our weekend games on, on March uh, 4th and 5th, Saturday night, mascot night, Tommy's bringing out a full crew of his, of his buddies. Uh, Blaze will be there. Bali the Hop will be there. Many others in the Portland area will be there. Of course, you'll have the always entertaining mascots versus the junior Winterhawks game during the second intermission. So that'll be a hoot. Um, I think actually the mascots maybe are looking to repeat as champions. I should have done my research on that one, buddy. Uh, but that one's always a great time. You'll be able to mingle with different characters as well up in the VMC concourse. So get there early. And please note, too, there is going to be a little bit of a parking issue because the Monster Jam's going on at Moda. And they had two sessions. They had an afternoon one and then an evening one. So if you if you are coming to that game, Plan accordingly. Either get to the Rose Quarter early, hop on the TriMet, get a you know get a park and ride, and get to the rink. But just note of that. Then Sunday, phenomenal Jack in the Box. They're opening the curtains in the VMC, so we'll see that natural sunset coming through. And I loved it because I've been driving home from work recently, and I've seen it still been light enough around six six fifteen, <laughs> even into right. six thirty. In other words, they're going to have a great show for that warm up. So about four thirty, it'll be you know basically sunlight. And then it's going to get into the that sunset type of peak hour. So you'll be able to see the Portland skyline. You'll see the Moda Center lights out the glass. If you haven't been to a Twilight game, it is truly like an outdoor feel of a game. Like, it is so unique. And it seems so silly just to, what do you mean just open the curtains and change everything? Like, just come to the game on Sunday <laughs> yeah. and, and you'll, you'll see for yourself. Because it is really, it is something special. I don't know how to pin it. Um, but it just feels like a, a different environment. Um, in that arena that you don't realize distracts you by just having black curtains kind of like blocking your view. So that's this weekend. And then another big game, as you just said, you look ahead, I think there's two more trading card giveaways on the, on those weekday games that are left. So you can get some freebies if you're the first 500 in the arena. And then March 18th is the big one because that one's going to be our Oregon Hockey History Night. And this year in particular, the Winter Hawks are actually going to induct four players from the 1983 Memorial Cup Championship team into their Hall of Fame. So they'll be a part of that 2023 Hall of Fame induction class. Cam Neely is going to be one of them. We'll get to him in a second. Grant Sasser is one. Ken Uremchuk is one. And Randy Heath is the other. 
So those are the four players who are going to get inducted into the Hawks Hall of Fame. And all four of those were teammates on that 83 championship team. And Cam Neely is going to be the first winner Hawk ever in their 47-year history to actually have his number 21 retired. So he'll have the first jersey retirement. Nobody will ever wear number 21 again for the Portland Winter Hawks. That'll be elevated up to the rafters following that game on the 18th. It's a Portland-Seattle game, too, so adds to the rivalry. And this is all kind of planned after the fact. It was always known that this would be an idea of what was going to go on that night with the Hall of Fame stuff and then the Jersey retirement. But there's also going to be a nice little Portland Buckaroos flashback, a little uh-huh. teaser for this podcast. So okay. there'll be one extra element we'll see about. Um, but members of that 83 team will also be in attendance. I think there's upwards of, I think there's a little bit more than a dozen of those players who are actually going to be in Portland for that game. Uh, so again, if you're, you're a longtime Winterhawks fan, you got to come to that one because you're going to have a chance to, you know, sit in the seats with, uh, you know, the players you, you grew up watching um, and that, that claimed the first ever Memorial Cup championship for this team. So that's going to be a terrific night. We're going to celebrate them. It's also the 40th year anniversary of the Hawks winning that Memorial Cup. Um, and then, you, you know, you go forward in the fan appreciation night, which I think is March 21st. If I have that date right, it's that Tuesday night game against Vancouver. And then the season wraps up um, with the jersey off their backs, another specialty jersey. Those will be raffled off as well for um, to support the players' education fund. And then, boom, you're like into the postseason. So, like, every game is meaningful from, like, a, a fan experience perspective, which is, I think, going to be a lot of fun. Like, it's going to build the energy up again. And the fans have been outstanding these past couple of games. Like, it's been so good seeing – 8,000, 9,000 fans in some of these home games and cheering on the Hawks. And, you know, even the games that haven't gone their way, like that last game that you and I were at, Andy, on that February 11th game, the Hawks yep. didn't win it. But, boy, that energy was booming in there. So it, it just kind of – it just feels right. Like, it just feels good to be back to, you know, really what we haven't had since 2019. Um, so I'm just looking forward to seeing what March provides. A lot of fun nights. Hopefully you enjoy that one as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys all at the rink. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great month of March. And I know that the retirement of Cam Neely is really cool. There's there's a lot of Winterhawks fans that fell in love with the team because of him and then followed. I know a lot of folks that became, you know, NHL fans of whatever team Cam Neely ended up, you know, playing for, yeah. kind of bounced around and followed his career. He was a, a legend here. And to see him back in the city and at the stadium and getting his number retired, man, that, that's going to be really cool uh, coming up. And it's also a TV game that night. You're playing Seattle, as you mentioned. It's a rivalry night on a Saturday night. Like, that, that's going to be one of the coolest home games in a while and a great tease on the, on the buckaroo note to keep an eye on. So there's a lot in the hopper for the Winterhawks. I know it seems like doom and gloom right now, but still the three seed in the Western Conference and finally back on home ice. And I'm glad you're back at home so you can rest up. Obviously, you got to go on the road to Everett for one, but then you get at least two home games. Game, so you're no more uh, bus rides yeah. at least after Friday. And uh, hey, keep getting on the men. We need Nick Merrick healthy for the stretch run. Okay, it's almost <laughs> playoff time. And uh, thanks as always, buddy. I appreciate the time, Andy. Really do that. And uh, go Hawks. All right, next up on the Portland Winterhawks podcast, excited for this one. A guy we had on last year. He's back behind the bench this year in Portland. Our first chance to catch up with him, our good friend, Kyle Gustafson, assistant coach for the Portland Winterhawks. You guys are getting ready to jump on the bus and head up to Everett. But just first off, man, let me start. How's the year been back in Portland? How have you enjoyed being back, you know, alongside Mike and behind the Winterhawks bench? Yeah, it's been been real enjoyable. Um, You know, we... We feel like we have a good team here. Uh, stepping back in Portland, there's a lot of familiar faces. A lot of the guys on the team that I've been removed one year, so I still have a good relationship with a lot of the players mm-hmm. and, and obviously the staff with Mike and Brian. I uh, worked with Brian prior to uh, to leaving with Vancouver as well early early on with the Winterhawks. But, no, it's been good. Uh, we're, we, we've hit a little bit of a bump in the road right now, but the start that we had, um, the, the continue on, 
uh, development of the players. Uh, we feel like things have things have been good up until late, but uh, you know, a little adversity won't won't hurt us. Well, I mean, on that note, Kyle, you guys had a, had a rough road trip, and I got to imagine it's kind of a, a head scratcher where you're just trying to figure out, you know, what what's the missing link? Is it not catching breaks, getting bounces, maybe the power play? Like, what what are you guys seeing offensively right now that is lacking, or is it just a, a simple act of you, you like what you're doing, you're just not may, maybe getting the results that you're hoping for? Yeah, it's funny, Andy. Uh, in, during the stretch, we feel like we've actually played pretty good stretches of hockey. Um, you look at the Kelowna game. Uh, I think we outshot him 45 to 15 and come up short in that game. Uh, and then we're off to Prince George for a two game set there where it really was a goaltending battle with Dante and, and uh, Prince George's goalie where it was a zero zero tie going into a shootout. And you get to those points, it's, it's basically a coin flip. Um, you know, we, we feel like we've probably deserved to win, but right now we're just squeezing our sticks a little bit. Um, it's, it's hard to get the puck to the back of the net at the time. We're, we're doing an awful lot in video. We're, we're looking at things on how we can produce. Uh, as you mentioned, the power play has got to catch fire. But we always say if, if we're not getting our chances, then, then we're in trouble. But, um, you know, we are getting the chances. And I think it's just a matter of time before they get to the back of the net. Well, I think the last game I was at, that Seattle game at home, it was a prime example of that where I thought you guys played one of your best games of the year. But you look up at the end and it's a 3 nothing result and they're getting a puck that goes off a defender's skate and you guys are getting all these looks. You just you can't quite, you know, you turn them into uh, goals, obviously. Is it hard to keep the guys kind of motivated and positive or you feel like you got a veteran group that's just handling this adversity uh, in stride? Well, a little bit of both. Um, you know, during this stretch, they've all been on, on the road. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit unfamiliar with us where we're on the road. We're, as I mentioned, we're squeezing it. But the biggest positive to take away is we've had a great week of practice. And when you get in these stretches and you're on the road as long as we were, you just the practices aren't there. And it seems like it's uh, continually getting ready for the next game. Uh, maybe a pregame skate here and there. But, um, you know, it, it was really needed that we needed just to come back to Portland. We needed to regroup as a team. We needed to get healthy. Uh, we last couple of games were without Jack O'Brien, Aiden Lickie. Um, you know, it's sometimes just to hit the refresh button when you're sleeping in your own bed goes a long <laughs> way too. Yeah. So it, it was really good that uh, we were able to take a breath, get back in, in you know, familiar setting at home and, and then get ready for this great three and three. Well, I, I mean, on the note of travel, too, I'm curious. I mean, obviously, we were gone last year, but the schedule even wasn't back fully normal yet. And you remember what it was like, you know, during the COVID shortened season, you're playing like nothing but U.S. division opponents. It feels like, do you think there's been a, an added wear and tear for some of these guys? I mean, some of them haven't had the chance to, you know, make some of these road trips yet in their career. It just kind of is a, the, the way if you've been around the league for a long time, you're used to it, but maybe some of the players not. Do you think there's any added wear and tear of, especially having these back-to-back long road trips here in 2023? Yeah, there's been a few unusual this year. Um, I remember a couple of weeks ago going from Kamloops to Tri-Cities, and, you know, you, <laughs> I guess you're, you don't recognize the wear and tear, as you mentioned, until you're into it. And <laughs> yeah. that trip in particular seemed like it was it was uh, forever. So there, there's a little bit of that where it's maybe unfortunate. Our, our schedule has been tough. But at the same time, it's, it is a grind of a league, and we try to educate our players that, you know, to get on to the next level, you're going to have to manage your fatigue. You're going to have to take care of your body. You're going to have to get the rest when you need it and uh, and then perform, ultimately perform at that in, in those conditions. So, um, yeah, it's, it is a little bit of, uh, you know, like a, a rough skid. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's 
we, we feel like as a team, we're going to be better because of it. Yeah, you, you learn your lessons and you move on. You take what you can. I mean, one of the positives, I think, too, as of late, you mentioned Dante and the way that he played on the road trip. I mean, it feels like he's been outstanding as of late. How are you feeling on the on the flip side? of Hey, you're not scoring goals. That's what people want to focus on. But it feels like defensively and in terms of goaltending, you guys have been pretty solid lately. We have, and a big thing for us is scoring chances. And uh, we, we sit as a staff and we look at, uh, obviously, the tape like everyone else does. But if we're if we're on the better end of the scoring chances, we feel like our five on five games in pretty good pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that said, Dante and Jan have really held held the fort down for us uh, during this time. Dante was really good on the on the trip, a, a keystone game for him in the zero zero tie going into a shootout. And then when our backs were against the wall a little bit, the tail end of the trip, I thought um, you know against Seattle that was a really good performance as well. So you know we're doing some good things. We got to stick with it. Um, you know, as a group, we just got to find our swagger a little bit and uh, no better chance than tonight and then going into the weekend for this 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, you got a couple of home games coming up after after the road game tonight, a couple of U.S. division opponents, and you just get that one. I imagine there's that kind of avalanche. Everybody relaxes a little bit and you get back to, to playing your game. How, how tough is it this time of year where, you know, I, I'm sure you guys – don't pay maybe as much attention as I do, but like looking at the standings, it, it feels like you're almost locked into the three seed in the Western Conference, where you know Seattle separated themselves a little bit. You still have a big gap between, I believe it's Prince George that's behind you. Is, is it hard to find maybe that motivation of like you're not playing for maybe a division title or you're not fighting for that number one seed? It kind of feels like you're you're locked in right there. Is there anything to that of maybe a, a lack of play that if you were playing for that division title or that number one seed, you'd have a little more on the line night in and night out? Yeah, I know what you're saying there, Andy. I, I, I think every night there's something there. I mean, you, you've called a lot of our games. You see the, you know, Saturday night against Seattle, no matter where your position in the standings, that's mm-hmm. always something you get up for. Uh, you take this weekend, for example, with the two games against Everett, the one in, against Tri-Cities in the middle there, like those, those can be first-round opponents. So you don't want to let your guard down by any means. And uh, every game is a meaningful game, whether it's uh, – to send a message down the road or to uh, in, in our situation right now to get our game back on track. So, you know, that's, that's from a team perspective. And then you can't forget that these players, there's something to, to be said for them. We are a development league. Yeah. Um, every night there's scouts in the building. These guys want to get recognized and move on to the next level. So not only from a team perspective, but an individual's perspective, there's plenty of reasons to get up for a game. Yeah, that, that's the sports media angle that I always try and find with stuff like that. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to ask you, though, man, like you, you're such a unique character coming, you know, being from around Portland and, uh, you know, being around this organization for so long, a couple of weekends away, but Cam Neely getting his number retired. I'm just curious what, you know, you guys start the year every year with the Neely Cup and having him back in the building and other members of that 1983 team, what that means and what it's going to be like to see that number 21 go up into the rafters. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually quite unbelievable. Um, I know this day was in the making for years, uh, maybe even decades. It seems like every year we get together as a staff and and from a promotion side, say, what can we do um, to really honor a night, an even better alumni? And this is the co- topic of conversation is what can we do for Cam Neely? So for it to actually get on the books, uh, for him to be in the building and for us to get that, that jersey to the rafters is something quite special. Um, yeah, I know Mike would tell you the same. And my, my brief, uh, you know, dealings at the NHL level, when you get to that level, that's such a fraternity. And I think we talked about this early on, Andy, is you get to that level and everyone remembers you as a Winterhawk uh, in the NHL. You played in this era for the Winterhawks or 
you played for this coach with the Winter Hawks and you had this great team. So um, it is a fraternity and everyone uh, is a Winter Hawk at heart. And for, for that group of uh, team to come back to be the first um, Memorial Cup winners in the franchise and for them to come back, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun, not only for us to, to watch from the inside, but to hear the stories of those those great team that great team had and um you know it's it's going to be pretty cool yeah I, I imagine i know fans are excited for it some fun buckaroo surprises in store too so it's one to look forward to but hey first things first i know you're getting ready to jump on the bus so i'm going to let you go you guys are heading up to everett good luck this weekend man great to catch up with you and uh, hopefully we can chat again here soon that sounds good, Andy, and I'm sure you'll have a couple of sea bass references in there, so <laughs> get ready for that. All right, that'll do it. Episode 11 here of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. My thanks again to Nick Merrick for hopping on. Also, Kyle Gustafson, last second change there, a little line change. We were planning on uh, having Mike on this week, but he lost his voice throughout the process of uh, the road trip, and so he's been trying to get that back to full strength, and he sent me a text, said, hey, I'm going to have to pivot. Can you get Kyle on? And I said, absolutely, no problem. So great to catch up with Kyle Gustafson, get his thoughts on the team, the way they're playing, and I, I, I get the sense from not only talking to him and Nick, just still a lot of confidence in that locker room. I know they haven't been playing great here over the last two weeks, but uh, they still feel good about where they're at. And I think it's one of those situations that once you have a game where you score a couple of goals, you kind of get that momentum going again. Uh, things will start to ease up. Guys will relax a little bit. You heard Kyle there mention they're holding the sticks really tight right now. So guys are pressing, and that'll happen uh, during a losing streak. Sometimes you just need a game where a couple of those bounces go your way, and uh, all of a sudden the positive mojo is back. They are in Everett tonight. It is a 3-3 three and three weekend, all U.S. division opponents. And then don't forget coming up, obviously, on Saturday night and Sunday night, some fun promo nights. And then a couple of weeks away, on March 18th, it is Oregon Hockey History Night where they're honoring the 1983 Memorial Cup team and uh, inducting a couple of members into the Winterhawks Hall of Fame and retiring uh, Cam Neely's number 21. He's going to become the first Winterhawk ever to have his number retired and raised up into the rafters. So some really cool stuff coming up. I know uh, it's been a little doom and gloom here the last two weeks, but this is a talented roster. They're going to get it figured out, and hopefully it starts this weekend against Everett uh, twice and Tri-City. That'll do it for us. Again, thanks as always for supporting the pod and listening. Uh, make sure no matter how you listen, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or the Odyssey app, make sure you follow it and uh, download the episodes, and uh, you'll get those updates whenever a new episode uh, is out. Planning on revisiting these guys and being back over at the VMC here in the next two weeks. So uh, we're going to start gearing up for the playoff push. We know Portland is going. Now we're just waiting on who their opponent is going to be in the first round. Again, my thanks to Nick Merrick and Kyle Gustafson. Great to chat with both of them. I'm your host, Andy Dirk Johnson. Until next time, go Hawks. He came from his office said, son, can I help you? Looked at him and said, yes, you can. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. Yes, I do. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.